Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we're talking No Time to Die, and so we searched far and wide to find the most knowledgeable, passionate Bond expert we could find in Emeryville. (laughs) Welcome, first-time guest, Justin's husband, Dave Beeman. Oh, thank you for having me, Justin and Fanny, on your 162nd episode. Turns to camera, pew, pew! A plea to rate and review us on Apple Podcast app, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, or Castbox, or wherever you find your fine podcasts and this one. Okay, so Dave, you are Justin's husband, and you are our Bond expert. So we all saw <laughs> No Time to Die, which is yes, the 25th James Bond movie and the fifth and last to star Daniel Craig. It only took Bond to get Dave on this podcast. That's right. (laughs) New to the franchise. This time, our Rami Malek as the villain. He was definitely the villain. Lashana Lynch as MI6's 007 replacement. And Anna de Armas as a CIA ally. And a really good dress. And a good fighter. (laughs) Yes. Returning actors include Leah Sadu, Jeffrey Wright, Christoph Waltz, (laughs) <laughs> Rafe Fines, Naomi Harris, and Ben Wishaw. Uh, Carrie Joji Fukunaga of True Detective fame. Call out to Colin Farrell. Directs. <laughs> We're going full spoilers here, so if you don't want to be spoiled, duck out in one razor-tipped hat, two versions of Thunderball, and three hours of sitting in the theater for whoa, this whoa, movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, Dave, we have you here, so... I'm so glad you're here, finally. I love Yeah, this. it's about dang time. It, yeah, and we want to establish your Bond bona fides. Oh, bonafides. there's so much pressure. Bonafides. Um, ah! So we're going to do a little quiz here, because I think, it's, I think it's safe to say that you care more about Bond than either me or Faye. That so, is very fair. So we are not going to answer these questions, but we want to know your answers before we all dig into our feelings on No Time to Die. Um, all right, so we're going to start with the biggest, most obvious one first. Uh, best and worst Bond movie. Okay. And why? So so let me start out by saying that best and worst are such loaded terms. Um, I'd rather say favorite and least favorite, just because sure. when you say best and worst, you make immediate enemies. And and, and I, I think this Welcome is- to podcasting, baby. <laughs> we're controversial. He says with a G&T in his hand um, and a cigarette. Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, best and worst Bond movie. Actually, let me start out by are, are we? We're going to talk No Time to Die later. I'm yes, yes. we're, we're, we're quizzing you first because there, there are certain things that kind of tie into No Time to Die for me. Which I, you know, I'll just go out in front and say I didn't love it, but I thought it held its own. But I, you know, in terms of the best Bond movie. I mean, my personal favorite is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Even though that it is George Lazenby, I, I'm. I really hate saying this. This is why it's favorite and least favorite. I'm not a big Sean Connery fan. I think he's too... because he'll punch you right in the mouth. No, I think he's too... That that might be part of it, actually. <laughs> he's too straight. He's too kind of non-emotional. And I think, you know, and the Fleming Bonds are a little... Even a little more emotional, um, which we learned from a Casino Royale, where Bond is hurt over Vespa Lynn's demise. So on her, the reason I love On Her Majesty's Secret Service, even with George Lazenby... It's just the scope of it, the scale. There is camp. There's humor. There are these fantastic global locations. The music is unsurpassed. The title art harkens back to all the other Bond movies. And in fact, in no, in, uh, we'll get to this later, but there's so many cues from um, No Time to Die that reference on Her Majesty's Secret Service that are amazing, right down to the title art. So this is that one, the first one? Uh, no, this it was the sixth. Okay. I, I don't, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It was right after Connery left. Well, and then before he came back for one right, more. Right, right. And right around the time, well, actually a little later than... That was uh, Never Say Never, The right? first... Con- no, he came Diamonds. back for Diamonds Are Forever. Wow. Um, 
Little... I'm showing how much I don't know about <laughs> this shit. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I just and plus, you know, I saw it when I was in a dorm by myself, well, with my roommate in winter. And it was like the perfect winter James Bond movie for being in a deserted dorm. And plus he falls in love. Something happens at the end, which I think I'm not going to give any spoilers. But yeah, it's... it's um, and Diana Rigg. Can we just talk How Diana Rigg? How old is the movie? You can give spoilers for On Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service. <laughs> <Right>. well, <laughs> it's really this, okay. Bond gets married and she dies. But that's referenced in other Bond movies yeah. too. So, um, And it's not just any any Teresa Bond. It's, it's Diana freaking Rigg. Like she is... She just brings a whole other element to the did film. Did she want him to know it was her? <laughs> it's a Game of Thrones I, reference. I, I, I got it. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I didn't... <laughs> we all got our genre We all got here. our things. I, I, it took me a second. I knew what that reference was. Um, so, yeah, the worst I would have to say, and I'm just going to leave it here, is between um, Quantum of Solace for me and uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. Fair. Man fair. with the Golden Gun is just a dumb name, too, by the way. I mean, I don't know. For like a, and that actually followed on Her Majesty's Secret Service, right? So it, no, it was two after. Two after? Yeah. Okay. It was okay. it was uh, Diamonds I, Are Forever and Live and Let Die. Okay. I think Quantum of Silence was the last one I saw before No so, Time to Die. Oh, so you haven't seen the next no. two? Oh no, wow. which which means I have questions. Yes. They're, they're kind of they're kind of all the same movie. Yeah. No, so. I kind of figured that too. But um, I was still with my ex, and we saw Quantum of Silence, and I got to tell so, you, I soulless. had no fucking night soulless. I had no fucking idea what it was going on in that movie. I As was in so, without soul. Yeah, I was just mm, no. no. I, yeah, is it a pun? Well, it was for me. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, you touched on this a little bit, but work best words. Sorry, favorite, least favorite Bond actor. <laughs> Good God. Well, welcome to my home life, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no and kidding. Every, I'm going to find everyone. the big velvet brown pillow and I'll be back. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I, I have to say Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond. Um, each one of them has things I like and things I don't like. I think Sean Connery is, like I say, he's a little he's a little too alpha male for me. He's just a little, there's not a lot of emotional depth to him for me. Um Roger Moore is just smirking. Ugh. I always picture him saying, like, oh, we could do with a couple of glasses. <laughs> no, um, no, no. With that feeling. And, and, like, no one other Bond deserved to be named, like, Sinjun Smythe. <laughs> um, it just wouldn't have worked on anyone else. Um, and Remington Steele? Yeah, I didn't care for him that much. And I, I really didn't care for Timothy Dalton, but for completely different reasons. Yeah. But they were fine. Like I will never. It's well, like if you set pizza in front of me, I'll eat it. Timothy Dalton because he wasn't Pierce Brosnan. I mean, because he wasn't Remington Steele. And then once Remington Steele had it, everybody was mad that it wasn't Timothy Dalton. I don't. I felt like that was the. Yeah. You're gonna. Yeah. You're gonna. I'm gonna forward you the hate mail that we never get. That I'll pretend we get right now. Send us hate mail. I'll send it to Dave. So yeah. No, please, please, please do. Please do. I mean, there were some great Sean Connery moments, but he's just in terms of. I mean, we're not talking about the films. We're talking about the character of James Bond. You know, in the Fleming books, they always talk about James Bond looking like Hoagie Carmichael. <laughs> They, they they actually do. They, like in, I think it's the first one. They actually say that Bond bears a striking resemblance to Ho- Hoagie Who, Carmichael. Who's Hoagie Carmichael. He, he was a '40s band leader. Okay. Um, I actually looked up Hoagie, Hoagie Carmichael for this podcast, and <laughs> nice. I can. I think Daniel Craig actually comes the closest. Really? Yeah. But, you know, Daniel Craig brings a physicality. He brings like a, an emotional sense. Like it doesn't matter whether he's like killing you or having sex with you. He makes the same face. Um, which in a good in a good is way is that a good thing? <laughs> There's definitely the the, the the greatest sense of him being like he is a just an assassin, like he's a stone cold killer. I think Craig is like that's you're like yes, that's who that yeah. would be. My problem with him is he seems, and this is coming from someone who's sort of wired this way. I don't he he doesn't seem like. The sex stuff, I don't believe. Oh, interesting. No, it's Why, like... How come? I, he just doesn't seem like somebody that is enjoying... Going I, to be enjoying having the sex. I kind of know what you mean. <laughs> just... Yeah, he's like, a little asexual in his yeah, energy. No, like I'm not I said. about Daniel Craig. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I've seen pictures of Daniel Craig holding on to Rachel Weiss, and they look very in love, and that's a very different thing. I'm not Daniel Craig himself. But the way he portrays Bond, I don't think he enjoys the sex. I don't so. know if James Bond does either necessarily. It's well, sort of a mean, he's done it's it very sort of a well. means to an end in yeah. some ways, unless yeah. you're, you know, Vesper Lind or 
Teresa, Countess, yeah, Countess Teresa. Um, Should we move on to villains? Sure. All right. Um, I realize they didn't put Gone Girl on here, but I hate that phrase. So we're yeah. going to do that. I mean, um, that, that would be Tracy Bond and uh, Diana Rigg in a heartbeat. There you go. We covered that. Yeah. Um, or My Best Friend. Who was that? The App Fab Lady. Uh, she, she had. I think she had all of like Lumley. I know she but, had like yeah. one line. But I met her and she loved my name and she hugged me. So Joanna oh. Lumley, I know you're listening. And yes, and I think we know the worst is Denise Richards. So that's actually, oh yeah. You know I okay. Halle Berry wasn't real good either. I actually yeah. I actually rewatched uh, in prep in preparation for this evening. <laughs> I actually went and rewatched. Um, that is dedication. What is well, the Christmas the world Jones is not enough? Yeah, Christmas, yeah. Christmas only yeah, came Chris, once a year. Christmas only comes once a year. Oh, I mean, God. just just like ugh, ugh. Oh, um, oh. I just can't get that image out of my no, head. But bad. she wasn't like to me. She wasn't that bad. There are others like I. I I'm not a big fan of Lois Childs from Moonraker because she's always like anybody that says Mr. Band. <laughs> you know, it's just like. <laughs> Um, I mean, but that made me laugh. So <laughs> she already gets points over Denise. Richards. Yeah. Um, so right. sorry. Nope. Go ahead. You're villain. Good. Ooh, this villain. is a good one. Favorite, least favorite villain. I would have to. I mean, it's so hard. There's so many villains. Like I would say Michael Lonsdale, but let me tell you something. Uh, Michael Lonsdale from Moonraker. You know, is a take Mister Bond where he can be assured of warmth. When he oh, sends God. him to the rocket, the... I want to watch Dave's just acting out all the Bond movies. Well, welcome this is to what my I want. Home life. Yeah, it's true. I'm a very patient husband. Um, so, um, you know, he I, I thought he was an interesting villain um, until I think there's nothing um, that takes the air out, the threat out of a Bond villain than seeing him in buttless chaps in another movie. <laughs> And so he was in some Buñuel movie in the seventies, and he turned around, and his butt, his like bare butt, was hanging out of these chaps. And I was like, "I, yeah, you're not doing for me anymore, Drax." Um, but, but but up to that point, but up to that so point, bad. I was I. He wasn't my favorite, but of course, Rosa Klebb. Like I just think Rosa Klebb is. Um, you Which know, one is she from? She is from from ask. Russia with Love. Uh, she's played by the incomparable Lata Lenya. Um, She's pretty hey, Latalina. <laughs> yeah, um, and they have all these like. For some reason, I associate her with um, what do you call it when they dub the sound after the fact? So it's like, like ADR, if, ADR, ADR, where it's like she has her like little horse whip that she's caressing the girl with, and she's like, "If you do, you will be shot." <laughs> it's a very over the top, like. Um, you know, lesbian prison. Totally, that's from exactly Russia Club is. is probably the best title. Yeah, and it's it's a good. It's like I watched Doctor No again too, and it's it's it, Bond starts to hit his stride in the film versions. Um, By the I way, think, we should say you've read all the books. Yes, I have read all the books. So, um, and have you read Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? I've not read Chitty Chitty <laughs> Bang Bang, um, which oh, is so you, interesting. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, we love you because. Uh, as most people know, like Roald Dahl and Ian yep. Fleming switched, and Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay that you only live twice. And yep. I forgot. Were that. they both a member of the the spy organization, or just Dahl? Was Ian oh, Fleming I don't know. one of That's the? That's a great question. Oh, God, I can't remember what they called the, themselves, but they but Dahl was a sort of an an information spy. Ooh, oh. Yeah. I'll have to look up what yeah, they called, me, and I'll I'd tell you about it. But I don't know, know if Fleming was too. But I did know that they knew each other. Um. So worst, we need your yeah. The worst, I think uh, the Penny Anti Villain Award goes to um, I think is it Daniel Green played by uh, I can't remember the French actor's name um, in Quantum of Solace. It's just there's no interesting outfit. It's like he's in his Miami beach wear through most of the movie, <laughs> and he's like sweaty and. So you really judge a villain by their their costume? Yeah, it's it's more like you know. He was going to send his thugs out to like rob a group of Seven Elevens instead of like world domination. And plus, you know, I find all the yeah. Anyway, um, no, 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 that's good. I mean, I don't remember any of the bad guys from that movie except there being like a bunch of them in an opera and not caring about any of them. There's like oh, some, I don't remember that. There's like some like performance scene. I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. Wow. Um, all right, let's go to credits first, and then we'll talk about the song. Okay, so they, they're tied together. Credits are what got me hooked on the Bond themes. The credits and the John Barry scores. Like, the the Maurice... Like, there are the two Robert Brown John credits, the, the Goldfinger and... Um, or, sorry, you, you, 
the spot the, the, the from Russia with Love and Goldfinger, where it's just like credits projected on bodies, and that was interesting. But it's like once you hit Thunderball, and there are all the silhouettes that are doing all these acrobatic moves to this these really beautiful John Barry melodies. Like it, the choreography of it is just it's stunning to me, and so that's what sold me. And I, I would have to say my favorite of that because it's so tongue in cheek is uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. Um, my favorite Bond film. Yeah, that's a, it's, you're not wrong there. I mean, it's yeah. a great film. Did we skip themes? We're going to go back because okay. themes got a lot to say about okay. this, I think. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, Maurice Binder, who did most of the themes up until, uh, you know, with a couple of exceptions, um, up until I think License to Kill, um, after which uh, Daniel Kleiman took over. Um, I think he lost it by the, the by the uh, Timothy Dalton years. Like I, to me, the two worst are uh, License to Kill and what what was the one before that? Living, living the Living Daylights. Daylights. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell when they're a little uninspired. Yeah, like, they're they're, the they're just really uninspired. Yeah. In fact, I will take License to Kill over the Living Daylights any day. Like the Living Daylights just was not interesting. Yeah. Like. Except a view that, to a kill. I remember yeah. that was the first one I saw in the theaters with the day glow paint and all of that, and I loved it because again, it was like you've got the woman unzipping her blouse and her boobs <laughs> part, and 007 is written in between them. And I thought, that's like love you, on right? The yeah. woman's eyelids in oh, yeah, in, in, in Raiders. <laughs> yes, in totally. Raiders. Totally. Um, all right, that's a good segue into theme songs. Um, you've got feelings here, I can see. Yeah, so. Let me explain the other reason why I love James Bond so much. So, I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. But, um, so, a friend of mine, I was in the dorms at University of Washington, and I was, like, not doing well in classes. And a friend of mine was like, oh, try some of this. And he, he poured this pill in some water. And I was like, oh, cool. And it made me all warm and love everyone. And so I, I won't go into what it was, but I liked, I, I was lying down and I had my Walkman with the um, James Bond's greatest hits in it. And I put it on. I did not wake up or I did not get up again for two and a half days. And it just played over and over and over again. Every James Bond theme from the main Monty Norman theme all the way up to, I think it was Octopussy with uh, Rita Coolidge. And then plus I'd added on Duran Duran. So I probably listened to the John Barry themes 40 times each. Good Lord. And, you know, every little nuance, every little like, and I love them because um, you just never knew what to expect with the melodies. It took you to these chord progressions that you, yeah, it just, it took you to places that you weren't expecting to go. Well, and knowing you with kind of your, the, your love of sort of 60s kind of kitsch and like but there's also like sort of a progressive chord change thing that you love it makes total sense that like those themes yeah resonated with you because like those were new at the time not that you're around really during that time or anything but you can like, look at me when you say that <laughs> but you like that era of when music was sort of figuring out kind of new new chords yeah 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 absolutely that's fair um so, you know, anything Goldfinger, of course. Like, how can anyone not love Goldfinger? Um, I even love Thunderball. A View to a Kill is like the last of the great John Barry songs um, that was co-written with Duran Duran. Um, and then the one that I think harkens back, and I remember sitting in the theater and watching Tomorrow Never Dies, and they played that Cheryl Crow song at the beginning, and I was like, oh, oh my God. And then at the end, like, the movie had just finished, and we were about to get up, and all of a sudden, Katie Lang starts in singing Surrender, and I was, like, it just had me. It, her, she, I was like, who is this? I had no idea it was Katie Lang. I thought it was, like, some Shirley Bassey-esque woman, and, and it was just fantastic. And I got shivers, and I listened to that song probably 200 times. She's after got a that. perfect, like, voice yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, it, I think Don Black who wrote a lot of the theme lyrics wrote that. And so you get words that you don't get in other themes like relish and tantalize and all those other like <laughs> very English James Bond words that, that Americans don't use a whole lot. Interesting. That's probably why they bumped it to the end, right? Because it was supposed to be originally the main one. Yeah. And, yeah. and plus it actually 
refers to a lot of the plot points. Mm. And so, anyway. Boy, that worst. Come on, there are some bad ones. Oh, Madonna, period. <laughs> End of statement. Yeah, I don't, have to, I don't have to think too hard on that one. Um, yeah, it's interesting going back and through, listening through all the James Bond themes that are not, that were not used. Like, I think there's a Johnny Cash one somewhere. Oh, the good man with, God, really? Yeah, the, the Man with the Golden Gun was, uh, it, it, there was an option uh, for a country and western song. It was like, the man with the golden gun. <laughs> um, and, it, like, it, you can get all these on YouTube or, or anywhere. Like, there, there's a whole thing of James Bond unused themes. There was, like, a Blondie theme. There was... Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, scenes we got to talk about, and then this is our last one before we get into the review. Great. What are your favorite and least favorite scenes? Because I feel like the James Bond movies, like mostly people love them because they remember scenes. It's, it's such a like franchise where you're just like, I remember scenes. <laughs> like, I believe you. Yeah, this one. You know, I'm going to harken back to when I first saw it because to me, this is the scene that set the tone for me. And others, please feel free to hop in. Um, <laughs> I would if I could. Yeah, I think. Thunderball, the opening, the pre-title scene, I just rewatched it the other day, and it's just, it It would not be, uh, it, it's very politically incorrect right now, where Bond goes to a funeral with, like, and actually there's a line where it jumps the shark, but um, Bond goes to a funeral, he sees, uh, I, think, I can't remember his name, it's like Jacques Bouvier or something like that, um, who's being buried, and he gets in and he sees the widow walking out, and so he ends up somehow getting into the widow's house before the <laughs> widow gets home. And the widow comes up, and James Bond is like, "Oh, you know, oh, I'm so sorry." And then all of a sudden, he just punches her in the face, and it turns out the widow is actually Jacques Bouvier, dressed as the widow. It wasn't Sean Connery that punched the woman. In it the was face. Sean Connery. Oh, that it was. The, See, yes. well, they, mm, yeah. on brand. And, that, and then it cuts to the opening. No, Is so he punches them, and they get in this huge, like, brawl, and then, you know, the, the baddies start to break down the door, and um, suddenly Sean Connery runs to put on, because the, there just happens to be a um, jet propulsion pack in the back, and so he puts on the jet propulsion pack. That I kind of remember. And then he, like, goes up in the air, and they're shooting at him, and then he lands, gets in the car, they start shooting at the car, and all of a sudden the car has these hoses, and the car starts shooting water. Um, at the people who somehow cannot move beyond the water. So once he puts on the suit, it loses it for me, but that first part is just so memorable. And plus, it's it's the first Bond that is an ultra-widescreen, and so ah. there's a there's a scope to it that it, it's finally sort of coming into its own. Sorry, that was a long harvest for no, a little corn. No, no, but this is which one here. do you hate? Oh, my God. And People have written on these ad nauseum, so I won't go too much into them, but... I think it's Moonraker where he comes out of the water in a gondola that becomes a motorized vehicle and a pigeon does a double take. A pigeon like a bird? A, a, a pigeon does a double take. Like what? That's like, like, oh, oh, oh. like the pigeon is impressed. Yes. <laughs> you got like, gadgets. I can't believe what I'm looking at. Um, and, and at the I same time, it. yeah, there, there is a, that so overused trope of somebody seeing what's happening before them as they're drinking a bottle of wine and then stopping and looking at the bottle of wine. Like, what am I drinking, drinking. that I'm seeing this? Mm. And so there, there are a couple moments like that. I think, there are a couple moments in Octopussy. I love Octopussy. I saw that, like, again, 40 times. That was my first Bond film in the movies. I think that was one of my first ones yeah. in the movies. Yeah, and so there... my little brother made us go instead of going to see something I wanted to see, <laughs> and I was mad. You could have done worse. I didn't like it. Uh, what were you mad. supposed to see? Do you remember? I don't remember what we were fighting over. It was probably Raiders or... Octopussy Yeah, I could see that. Bad scenes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so... An octopus. Yeah, I was reading about it, and they they hired this this writer who was a comic novelist to come in, and he wrote the screenplay for like Three and Four Musketeers, and with movies with I think Michael York and Raquel Welch and all those folks, and Richard Chamberlain, and I think I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, his name was George McDonald Fraser, and so he's responsible for a lot of the groaners in that movie. Um, for example, James Bond is comes up across a tiger, and he holds up right. his finger, and he says, "Sit," and the, and the tiger sits. <laughs> And apparently that's a riff on some English dog trainer woman that was on TV <laughs> that, that Americans would not get, but apparently the English 
it's, maybe got. It's, I don't know. But it's interesting. I, I feel like the Moore era was the end of like really British Bond, and like it's sort of after that became so international. Like there were like British in jokes in it, like up to that point. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's interesting. <laughs> and I think Phoebe Waller Bridge made a might have brought some of that back. Right, right. Um, you have a note you, here. Do you have a trivia bit that I, we should point out? Yeah, here? so so I was doing a, a little research. I was like, is Phoebe Waller-Bridge um, the first woman? Um, as as folks know, you know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge who... Um, Fleabag. Yeah, Fleabag and Killing Eve, who's just a brilliant writer. She's one of Fanny's favorites. Yeah, and yeah, Dave's too. Um, yeah. She, uh, you know contributed to the script of No Time to Die. And I was, and I thought, is she the first woman to contribute on a Bond script? And I looked, and um, sure enough, no. Uh, there was a woman, Joanna Harwood, who uh, contributed to the scripts of both the first two James Bond movies, Dr. No and From Russia with Love. So if you're ever at a cocktail party um, post-COVID... So just, it's only been, what, 60, 70 years yeah, exactly. since there was a woman involved in the script? <laughs> yes. Great! Good job, yeah. Bond! And yeah. she came up with a, um, a line like, I think that line's terrible and sexist. Maybe we should write it. And they went, uh, Dr. No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. Oh. James oh. Bond jokes flying. Oh, oh I didn't like it. Um, all right. We have done enough table setting here. Woo! Um... Dave, as our special uh, wonderful guest, what did you think of No Time to Die? I mean, you already kind of took was it a time you to know, die? I, I, so you know, I have a very strong set of opinions about um, this whole Neil Purvis and, and Robert Wade. I think it's Robert um, set of bonds, who I also think are responsible for the uh, invisible car and the Paris for a while, the parasailing. Right? Um, but I don't like either of those things. I just there's a trend in movies now where everybody has to be related, and as soon as they made Blofeld Bond's adoptive brother, I was just like, oh, really? Do you and have to do that? That was in Skyfall. Yeah. Was it no, Spectre. Okay. Um, yeah, it just it just felt like you're kind of reclaiming every film that happened before it, and that's not really fair. But, and then all of a sudden, like, now Bond... It, spoilers? Yeah, yeah we said at the beginning, spoilers. spoilers. All right, yeah. so, so now Bond has a daughter. Um, and then Bond dies? Matilde! Matilde! <laughs> who, who apparently is so strong-willed that she can just go, No! And Remy Malik's like, all right, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so crazy! <laughs> I'm going away now! <laughs> okay. Just Matilde. Leave, leave they just it, I, something about the pronunciation Matilde. of Matilde. They just drove me insane. Oh, <laughs> she was a cute kid, though. Betty Davis. Yeah. This is my daughter, Matilde. <laughs> um, cute kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I I will say I think there was. I think you and I both agreed when we walked out of the theater that um, the first half was great. Like I just, I think that opening Italy scene, I would put that in the top tier of Bond scenes. That action scene was so exciting and visceral and beautiful, and I was like scanning the like Italian like the not the not the early one in the ice, but the one where they were mm-hmm. in Italy. Okay. I thought yeah. that was like such good like Raiders of the Lost Ark level action filmmaking. Totally. And I was so excited, and then it's yeah. Yeah, I, and no, then I the totally trombone agree. came, and it was sad. Yeah, and there were certain parts that I felt like harkened back. I mean, aside from all the references to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, there are certain things that I think harkened back to earlier Bond films. You know, there was like the the petting of the cat where like all of Spectre is at this long conference table and you know somebody's either going to be electrocuted in some horrible death or dropped out of a blimp or you know. Somebody's dying. Somebody's dying. And and I hadn't seen a scene like that. I mean we hadn't seen a scene like that for a long time and walking around with the pillow with the bionic eye on it (laughs) to me I got a warm fuzzy feeling. I was like okay this is so surreal that that it it's it's back like it's that whole feeling. Although I have so many questions about Bionic Eye that yeah, I've not had answered sufficiently by anybody on the internet. So if anybody's listening to this and can explain, was the Bionic Eye just listening? Was it what? Like what was the Bionic Eye's function? I don't know. I just kept calling well, the guy also- one-eyed Willie in my mind. <laughs> 
So, like, Blofeld was somehow watching, like, monitoring and activating people through it. Wait a minute. Which one was Blofeld? The guy in the Blo- prison. Blofeld. Blofeld. Ernst yeah. Stavro Blofeld. And was that Volt? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. And he was I apparently mumbling, like, no, oh, then kill this guy and then go over here and whatever. And nobody, like, so, and I think. Okay, I, I did not catch any of this. So, <laughs> Vault was supposed to be controlling One-Eyed Willie. Yes. Yeah, but was One-Eyed Willie, was yeah. One-Eyed Willie always supposed, like, the second henchman, the one that's chasing Bond on the motorcycle that has the, the eye. Right, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, One-Eyed Willie. Is that, oh, I thought One-Eyed Willie was just the name of the eye. No, that, no the <laughs> guy with the eye. I so called the, him the guy Willie. with the eye. So, Willie. Yeah. Is wearing the bionic eye at that time, but right. then now the bionic eye is free, and they put it on a pillow. Yeah, which, by the way, <laughs> is that ju- the same eye? That's my question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there are too many eyes, <laughs> or it's not made clear enough. Um, I had no idea that that was even supposed to be connected to vaults. Yeah, it yeah. was not made clear. I also have lots of questions about the DNA thing. Oh yeah. Can you explain to me any of that? So the DNA, they somehow were getting DNA from people. And then they had some nanotech thing from plants harvested. Okay, so no, you can't explain it to me because I understood all of that. And so somehow, when you got sprayed with it, it would only it would pass through people to until it got to the person that it. Okay, but how was he going to kill his wife or his wife, girlfriend, whatever the mother of his child and his child? Explain that to me because I don't understand. Because he had been dosed, but it passed right through him. So if he so if he them, touches them, or it will travel to them because of their DNA. Yes, because they've Why? gotten his DNA. They've gotten her DNA at some point. I think there was a thing that they kept showing a vial with her. Yeah, it was a mess. It was totally a mess. That's a MacGuffin. Um, can can we also talk about the bunny clip to his belt when he died? Please. Bunny? Clip yeah, the, when his... he finds Mathilde's bunny and then he has <laughs> it on his fucking belt when he's dying and saying goodbye. Come on, so really? love, yeah. these are the things you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one other thing. So, okay, so we've got this under underworld kind of big sewer growing thing with neon tubes coming out of it where supposedly the poison is being manufactured right i guess people fall into it and they die die. so so that huge thing is being supplied by a poison garden that is the size of like a holiday in little landscaping piece right right Yep. Where they fought at the end? Yeah. yeah. You sure that was supposed to be the garden? That's the, yeah, that, that was, was the garden because it went up and down. It's oh, it's like, yeah, it, uh, there, there's bigger landscaping in front of like Shell, our local Shell station. I have a dumb question. Do it. Was Christoph Waltz related in any way to James Bond's, the mother of James Bond's child? No, but you missed Just the making sure. couple where they are brothers. Stepbrother, step adopted, bro- adopted brothers. Right? Oh, so Vaults and James Bond are brothers. Yes. I knew there was some familiar yeah. connection. It's so Luke, I, I am your father. I mean, I got it, but I knew there you was. You have not seen the last couple. Right. You must have been so. I was very so confused, <laughs> and so my here's what here's the headcanon that I created. Uh, Malapropism. Chris, yes. Malapropism. Malapropism. Christoph headcanon. Yes, Christoph Waltz was James Bond's the mother of James Bond's child because you know I won't use that other phrase because I fucking hate it um, I hate baby mama I fucking hate it oh I had no idea where this <laughs> I, I hate it anyway I in my mind Christoph Waltz was her dad oh oh wow. no her dad I actually had to go back and and because Justin was confused on that too, and, and we had to go back and watch the Mr. White scenes again because I knew Mr. There was some Mr. White connection. was her father. The, the, the girlfriend's father. You're right. The, 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 the mother of the baby. Who's Mr. White? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, oh, yeah. with the face? No. No, Mr. White was it. has been in, I think, all four previous movies. But he's like the blandest actor. And they don't... So here's my problem. Here's where I'm going to come down. Is I think all this stuff about the garden and the DNA and the eye, it's all stupid if you have a fun bad guy that's like sort of over the top and fun you kind of don't care it's the MacGuffin 
But, but to treat it all so seriously and get Rami Malek doing this sort of like Doctor No serious Doctor No thing, it's so at odds that it becomes really unbelievably tedious, and you just don't you don't enjoy watching so, the well, villain, and, and you don't understand it, the plot. He's taking it so fucking seriously, and then Matilda's in danger, danger, and then three seconds later, you have Craig saying, "And it blew his mind." Yeah, it yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So, that was so, so bad. Was, that was like that is not something. Like that was so out of character for yeah. him to say. And like, I they will just had give to it, throw him in. I will totally. give it the one beautiful. I mean, there were a few beautiful shots, but there at the end, the one beautiful shot when he's in the the, the corridor and he turns and he's in the you know the the arch and he turns. Oh, and, 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 and I mean that was that felt a, a little pandering. But. I know, but it was well done and <laughs> it, it was. was well shot. It was. Yeah, we. I would have. Just put that in and don't do the it blew his mind thing. Yeah. Just don't do it. There was some great <laughs> filmmaking. I think the oh, whole... Oh, it was beautiful. I mean, the whole scene in Cuba with Anna Armas, I thought was really Oh, my fun. God. That was and so good. And you're just good. like, this movie, please. Well, and you know that Craig and, and Anna Armas were having a great time. <laughs> totally. Because um, I can't wait for the next Knives Out now. You know yeah. yeah. I mean? <laughs> well, it, it's funny, too, because you know we talked about the first half being so interesting. And the second half, for some reason, just... You know, A, everyone dies in the most uninteresting possible way. Everyone just kind of goes out with a fizzle. Yeah, it's true. Um, there's nothing really exciting. The other thing, so we watched a while back the original Invaders from Mars. And, of course you did. Yeah, and, and it's a great movie. It's William Cameron Menzies, who like was involved in Gone with the Wind as the production designer and all this other stuff. He, um, Anyway, he's he's amazing. Look him up if you get a chance. But he directed this film about the invaders from Mars and this little kid's point of view. The entire second half of the movie is people running through stone hallways. Like, the entire second half of this movie. That's exactly how I felt about this movie. The whole second half of the movie was people running through claustrophobic yeah, absolutely. hallways. Yeah. And it just, was, it was just not interesting With at all. water falling yeah. down. I mean, maybe it was COVID that made that, but... I don't think so. I think it was done by then. I mean, part of it, part of the fun of a Bond film I feel film like it for me, was done by then, actually. Yeah. yeah. I feel like part of the fun of the Bond film is savoring the scenery. You know, whether it's a ski chase or whether it's, yeah. you know, a car chase through some beautiful Italian village. Like, it's just, like, let us enjoy that. And then when we're in this, like, thing, it just is. If they were going to make his, the, the mother of his child an age-inappropriate actor, which... I'm not going to go on that rant, but you know I have it. At least they could have made it Florence Pugh, I'm just saying. Yeah, they had no chemistry. It was really, really bad. Okay, so in the interest of moving us along, I want to (laughs) ask... So another thing we haven't even touched on was that they set up a potential new 007 in in Lashana Lynch. Yes. Um, And then, you know, he dies... they were in spoiler territory, but uh, you know, James well, you Bond know dies. Well, you know he's going to die. First off, it's called No Time to Die. And secondly, the minute you found out he had a fucking kid, it was yeah. like, okay, so he's dead. But the, <laughs> it's so interesting because the film ended with James Bond will return. It doesn't right. end with 007 will return. Right. I don't it know if you made it James the Bond I did not. Return. No, yeah. I, I so, ran so as fast as I could. Something's up. So I guess the question I want to ask, especially Dave, is... Should James Bond continue? Should, I mean, there are there are females done? whose name is James Bond. Oh, whose name is James? I'm just saying, James right. is a. I mean, it seems so set up for Lashana Lynch, but then I feel like all the response to this movie has been like they didn't do anything with her, and there was no real fan reaction because they just didn't do a good job with the script of setting her up for anything. So, like, what do we do at this point? And and is do we need any more James Bond? We've done all the books, we've recycled them. I know you love James Bond, and I know you'd be sad if it no, was No, I, 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 I actually wouldn't, I think. Because you could always watch them over and over again. Yeah, exactly, which I have. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't really have an opinion. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I feel like there have been such fun moments in it. You know, Blofeld being dumped down a chimney. Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, yeah, Bond going over a cliff with the parachute. You, you know, they're just such iconic moments that it's, I think, maybe it's the cost or something, but I, I feel like... The the other thing that I noticed is there was some beautiful cinematography, but, you know, in the in the early ones you had the... Um, what was his name? Ken Adam Designs, that who also did Doctor Strangelove, that just felt like these wide-open, beautiful... Stainless steel, light wood designs that are are stunning. You don't have that anymore. Everything feels really two dimensional. Yeah, but 
Um, so, you know, I think unless there's like some massive resweep, I, I don't, I don't see it. And I would, it really feels like they are trying to figure out who the next male Bond will be from the press anyway. So I, mean, I would be on board with just like 007 and like Lashana Lynch and yeah. write yeah, a good story. Totally. And she teams up with um, Naomi Harris's Money Penny and like. Yeah, I would watch. I, I would. I, would, I will watch. I would ben watch this shit. Shaw do anything. Yeah. So, so there's know. there's yeah. potential here, but also just get off the books, get off oh. the history. Yeah. Can I can I say one more thing? Of course, of course. So another movie. <laughs> Did anyone else get a feeling? You know when M takes Bond into the Hall of M's, where it's mm-hmm. you see like Judy Dench and you see Bernard Lee and you right. see whoever that the, you know when you have the two ministers after Bernard Lee died. Um, did anybody else think that all of a sudden the elevator was going to go down and the portrait, <laughs> the portraits were going to lengthen? <laughs> no, but I, and now I wish that I had thought that. It was like, I've been watching so much, uh, Haunted Mansion, but, um, I think there was an opportunity there that got missed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we do, we did what you saw there, our pop culture Please, topic. Yes. I think we've, we've, uh, we've buried Bond well. Uh, <laughs> at least temporarily. We're sorry for your kid. Not really. um, Dave, what did you, as we say, did this week that we saw there, or vice versa? Did what we saw there? It's, it's a stupid. just what'd you do in pop culture? Yeah. Oh, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I there saw. Um, yeah, I. So I'm rereading. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, <laughs> I'm rereading. Uh, all of Henning Mankell's Wallander series, which to me is just the perfect winter. Do you watch the show? No. My I, folks watch it. I don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, I just, the books are such a vivid experience for me that um, they're so well written and they're so atmospheric and I just love them. Um, and then the other thing that I'm loving right now is there is a Roku app and it looks just so hoopty. It looks like someone from your local Baptist church put it together. Um, to broadcast services, it's called Classic Reel, and it's, I think it's like two ninety nine a month. But they have all of these films that you can't get anywhere else. So we're talking like Nicholas Ray films and um, a couple of like Edward Dimitrik films and Gregory, like with Gregory Peck, and it's it's just like all this stuff. Fanny always has to big sigh at Gregory Peck. Oh yeah, he yeah. hugged me once. So it's called Classic Reel. If you're on Roku. Look it up. It's it's great. They're not in any order, but, um, so you kind of have to search. Um, but I love it. I'm I gotta like, say, I've seen that on a Roku, and the font looks so hoopty, as you said, that I thought I might get a virus if I click on it. Right, exactly. <laughs> on my Roku. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, also, maybe do you have a nix? Because as a guest, you nix something. Nix you something. Need to nix something. That's sort of the rule of the show. Well, you know, as heartbroken as I am that Bond might be gone, um, I'm also heartbroken to say what my next is this okay. week. Um, I really hate saying this because I love it so much, but what we do in the shadows, I think, has kind of jumped the shark. I think yeah. there was I no... I have not started the third season, so I'm sad to hear this. There is no other show that, like, makes me guffaw. Um, to the annoyance hard. of the neighbors that, um, <laughs> like, what we do in the shadows. And I, I just started watching the film, so I have to go back and watch the film. Okay. But it's this, this season, column. it's just, it's lost something, and I don't know what it is. Um, it just, it just feels like they're that. really reaching it. Yeah, I agree. It's just been, they seem out of ideas. They're sort of calling back. It sort of feels like Bad Office, like the show, The American Office. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like calling back to things that you're like, I don't, that wasn't that great. I don't really remember, like... The plot seems out of steam, and the writing is feels off. Oh yeah, although we, yeah. you know, and we went back and watched the first episode with your parents. So funny, and it was so funny. It's just, yeah. it's such a great first season. It is. <laughs> and where's um, man, Beanie Feldstein? Get her back. I was just about to say, is Beanie Feldstein no, on it? Well, she's on, seen, she's so. on impeachment. So yeah, she's too good for that show it's now, you know, because much. she's Ryan Murphy material. <laughs> uh, all right, Fanny, what okay, you got? Dave, come back to me from your Knicks. And let's talk Succession, season three. Oh. <laughs> On HBO and HBO Max, Succession season three, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know that it is back. It launched, uh, its first episode dropped on Sunday, next episode in two days. Are you enjoying it, Dave? I, <laughs> I think it's the best written show on television right now. 
I, it's just the scripts are so good. So um, tight, so good, so and, funny. And the best like, casting. Nobody is miscast. It is the smartest cast show on television. Like, maybe ever. Ever, yeah. It's so good. And, you know, the ta- it's not for everyone. <coughs> <coughs> but, um, I'm going to remain silent for fear of, um, you know... For a hostile takeover. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Bear hug, bear hug. Bear hug. <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a nice thing. It's not personal. You wouldn't know what that meant because you haven't watched the season finale of season one. If we start criticizing you, you can go to the bathroom and... Yeah. Oh, wait, never mind. And cry. No, yes. that's not what I was going to say. Just throw it all around? No, I was... <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. Too. Did that I one. leave the iron on? <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm so right there with you, Fanny. Okay, so who's going to win? Win. Who who is going to win? Is it going to be Kendall? Is it going to be Logan? Oh, you mean is who's, it gonna who's be next in charge? Jerry and and Roman? What's your Shiv? Tom? Cousin Greg? I mean, will this? I mean, end this season? No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's supposed to go forever? four or five seasons. That's okay. the beauty of it. Is I feel like. He doesn't want to go very... Uh, Jesse Armstrong has said he doesn't want to go long. Maybe five seasons. But four may be the end. I like that. I mean, I'm not being snarky. I think it's great when people know an end. No, exactly. Yeah. I get that. Uh, honestly, I would love it if Holly Hunter came back, entered in, and became CEO. Yeah. So She's I'm, so good. I will say... She, she was great. Today, I, I saw her, because Dave was watching whatever... I don't know. Season her episodes are great. And I was like, wait, what? What now? She's in this? Although yes. I did think it was Helen Hunt for a second. I said Helen Hunt. I meant no, Holly Helen Hunter. Hunt's in Blind Spotting, <laughs> exactly. which you still haven't finished, and has been renewed. Hallelujah. Thank you. And I was delighted it. to know that it's Holly Hunter good. was in it. And I was like, I would watch the Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter's episodes. great. She's so good. Cherry Jones is in it. Cherry Jones, Jones is great. Fantastic. She plays like the the, the rich liberals yeah. who own like M- M- MSNBC. But they're just as terrible. Cherry Jones is terrifying. And they all they all read the new Jonathan Franz in three days before yes, it comes and, out. And and quote Shakespeare and yeah. probably my favorite line in that whole um episode is Tom comes after Shiv totally fucks up the you know, everything and says, It's gonna be me and Logan's like, Okay, you're dead now and she goes into the room and Tom says, Holy fuck, that was the most Roy thing I've ever seen and she says, Is there any alcohol in here and he says no just emily dickinson ah. and low thread count sheets <laughs> oh my god the low thread count sheets. that was amazing brilliant yeah everything about it is brilliant yeah do you have a favorite character i love them all i i like i mean i love to hate them all like it's yeah, just no i don't there's nobody you like for yeah sure. even i mean greg you kind of like and you kind of root for but kind of not and i feel like you know with kendall i you know it's just such a Lucy in the football thing with the father. Like you yeah. think it's it's He's gonna be okay and then he just screws it up somehow. Because well, I feel like he can do one thing at a time. The minute he has to do more than one thing, he's totally fucked. And he's just such a rich boy idiot that he he can't deal with any person. Yeah. He has to. It's just so much of, oh, here, watch me spitball and watch me be cool. He can't get out of his head that way. Yeah. And which and is all why. Trapped. Yeah, like which all... is why Roman, if he listens to Jerry, will be okay. I just, I want Jerry I mean, to win. I feel like certain characters are already up and can only travel down, whereas other characters are so down like Roman that they can only go up. Right. I do you know? think I think Roman's going to ride the chair the the Jerry tail. Although some yeah. of the previews make it look like maybe they fight and that really upsets me because I don't ever want yeah. them to fight. I love Jerry. I love uh, Jay Cameron Smith. I mean Jay Smith Cameron man. She's so I'm good. so glad for her that she got this. She yeah. that part was A supposed to be a man, B supposed to be two episodes. Yeah, she's and she brilliant. came in and took that shit off her. Yeah. <laughs> so Justin, what are your thoughts? I, I, I'm happier all enjoying it, <laughs> world. Um, he doesn't like it. He's wrong. It's just a not for me show. I think we've mostly established. Okay. Um, all right. So okay. What else did I do this what week? What else did you do this week? Okay. Uh, you season three dropped on Netflix. Whatever. This show isn't good. I'm going to watch every episode of it. Uh, Scott Mon- Michael Foster is on this season. Shout back to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in the beginning of this podcast. Mm. He played the... The guy that wasn't Greg and wasn't um, 
Oh, the original. Nice. No, 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 not the original Greg. Okay. The the blonde guy that she the, the rich guy that she that that I kind of Oh my god. Anyway, Mike <laughs> Scott Michael Foster uh was also on some Ryan uh Murphy show and he's on this as a uh newscaster and he's very funny. Nice. Um, uh let's see. 911 is back on Fox. So far, they're the only thing we've had is the killer llamas and the berserkers, which Justin did go look up. And <laughs> I will <laughs> that fill you in later, Dave. Do you like 911? I love 911. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I enjoy it, too. I actually. love 911. Yeah. I hate that I love it, and I sit and I cry, and I have found out that the reason they're doing this with Jennifer Love Huge Tits, she has left the show because she did just have a baby. So her character, of course, had to have postpartum depression because that's the only thing you can do with any character that ever has a baby on television anymore mm. is they have to have postpartum depression and desert their babies because that's what happens anyway. My my only bad thing about that is that we lose chimney for a while, and I don't want to do that. Sue Grafton, uh, the A, the Alphabet series, You're right, books, yeah. which everyone knows that I love, spent her entire life from A is for alibi until Y, saying, "Please God, I never want these turned into movies or TV because I had a bad experience with one with my very first book, The Lolly Madonna War, being turned into a movie and it was ruined. Never, 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 never." The day she died, her family released a statement. She never wanted these books turned into movies or TV, so they will not be. We're not going to hire a ghost, a ghost writer. The alphabet ends with Y. Well, her husband sold her rights to a- AMC, and they're going to make a TV series out of the Sue Grafton alphabet books, and I'm mad. I think that's yucky. And she's, then, she's from Seattle, right? Is she? Grafton? Yeah. I don't know. Not, I, I, I think I she gotta, lived in gotta, L.A., but... Oh, okay. But anyway, I just think that's icky and gross, and I'm sad about it. Although uh, I can sort of, it, yeah, it's like season one, A, I understand why they would do it. It's I don't care out. why they would do it. She <laughs> spent her entire fucking life until yeah. the day she died, and the very first thing her family said when she no, died was, it's we're gross. never going to do this. Yeah. And 18 months later, they sell her rights. Yeah. I heard, uh, I nix you, Grafton. I heard um, Henry Winkler's going to be the first one. Hey. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Um, American Horror Story on FX wrapped it wrapped up. The first few episodes were about the talent vampires, and I think that was actually pretty tight and the best that's, that's been done since the first season. Wow. The second five episodes were about aliens and really, really dumb. And Mamie Eisenhower was apparently working with the aliens and Richard Like she Nixon. does. Yeah. This was not good. The second half just pretend it didn't happen. But you can go watch the talent vampire stuff, and that stuff's actually pretty good. I watched two episodes of La Brea. Oh, wow. This is either on NBC or ABC or Fox. Who the fuck knows or cares? I think it's Hulu. Yeah, FX on Hulu. It, well, I mean, it's on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. But it. I, I don't know. I don't give a shit. Did you like this, it? No. <laughs> what, what is it? it it's go about ahead. this natural disaster that it's happens like at the La Brea tar tar pits pits. and then some family gets pulled back in time and the other and they're still in LA but they're fighting like like dinosaurs Dinosaurs? and saber-toothed tigers oh I haven't well yeah yeah saber-toothed tigers show up while the husband's on the other side and he can see flashes of them in that world and of course they're strange so he has to save them all with the daughter it's not so bad that? that it's fun it's it terrible. Like, like, I, I'm not saying don't watch it because you, who doesn't like Succession because because reasons, would probably actually like this show. Right. So you should watch. The Wait, what was the Terra? Oh, Terra Firma. Terra Firma. I'm also getting a little Land of the Lost. I'm no, yeah. there's a little okay. bit of all of that. Right. But um, and, and Volcano. Like yeah. it started yeah. out. There's a lot of. Yeah. There's a lot going on. There's an Irishman who's trying to hide his Irish accent. There's. I'm intrigued. Yeah, you're going to watch it, and you're going to like it, and that's going to freak me out. Hulu, uh, Dope Sick. We all know that oh, yeah. I love Caitlin Deaver, so I will watch anything she does. I watched the first two and a half episodes of this. It's super so, fucking depressing. So can I ask you yeah. something about Dope Sick? Because I, yeah. I, I actually did watch the first half hour of it. What is the advantage of watching this over the documentary on the Sackler family? I actually, the documentary had those weird reenactments, which I wasn't real fond of. Okay. Um, and at least this is Michael Keaton yeah. and um, Mayor Whittingham and 
uh, why can't I think of his name? McKinnon, but not Kate. Um, the super skinny guy from Georgia. Anyway, uh, Ray McKinnon. Okay. Um, and Caitlin Deaver. At least these are super talented people playing these roles. Um, I mean, it's like, I, I, I get that. It's like, yeah. like, why would you watch the Chernobyl thing if you can just watch a YouTube video about the right. thing? But that, it was great. Like, yeah. I, I love this that is very, dramatization. I will finish it. It's not uplifting. It's all about the Sackler and family and how they manipulated everyone to get really, really addicted to opiates. Yeah. So awesome. Yay. Happy. Um, I do love seeing Caitlin Deaver do anything, and she's great in this. And Michael Keaton, I continue to adore him, and, and I like that he gets work, and he's very winning in this. Um, on Amazon, I watched... Was it Amazon? No, it might have been Hulu. Uh, a documentary called The Stand. This is not my former The Stand <laughs> obsession of Stephen King. This is about uh, the moment at the 1969 Olympics uh the they the urban legend of it is that the two men did the black power the the black uh, black panther salute they did not it was they it was much deeper than that but anyway it is about the moment when uh, when Collins and I'm blanking on the other man's name and I'm very sorry uh decided to do this form of protest because of the the Olympic humanity project and all of the lead up to it and the Harvard crew apparently crew team all white uh, people that learned about about the, what was going on in the world and in this protest I sobbed. It was great. It was That's beautiful. Awesome. I, yeah, really think, watch that. I recommend checking out The Stand. It's, I think it's on Hulu. Nice. Um, I'm reading a book. It's called The Last House on Needless Street. It's by Katrina Ward. It's told by three from three perspectives. A man who has mental issues and is also an alcoholic, from what I can tell. Um... A, a girl whose sister disappeared maybe on her watch, like remembering her, her sister being abducted, um, and a cat who reads the Bible. <laughs> Wait, what now? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I think it's getting spooky. I'm 20% into it. It's, it's compulsive reading, but I haven't yet figured out how it all ties together. I'm sure it does. The man in the st- who tells the story, who is obviously very, I, I'm going to say he's probably schizophrenic. Um, he was at one point, it seems to be suspected of kidnapping the little girl, and he may or may not have. And the cat lives in his house, and then the sister of the little girl who disappeared tells one point of view. Stay tuned. <laughs> but the writing is very good, and it's quite nice. good. It's, I'll check that do, out. Do Stabler and Benson show up? Uh, they do not. Oh. They probably should. <laughs> All right. Um, I was just in New York for a week. Uh, it was really lovely to be back and run around and eat amazing food and see old friends. Um, yeah, you're a world traveler. So fun. Um, I went to go to the film forum, which was an old, you know, great theater for like art house stuff and old stuff that Dave and I went on many, not man, like a good amount of, like good amount dates. of dates. Yeah. Um, and so it was fun to be back Aww. in that theater. And they were showing the new Todd Haynes documentary about the Velvet Underground. I think it's literally just called Velvet Underground. It is full of amazing like uh, archival footage. I think a lot of it hasn't been seen before of kind of the factory and Warhol and that whole scene. Lou Reed is a dick. Like, you know, <laughs> do that. yeah, um, the band was a mess. The whole factory scene was like sort of a disaster, but sort of fascinating. It did. I thought it was a really well-made documentary and it also got me kind of listening to their albums again. And holy shit, man, their good songs are amazing. Like I sort of had forgotten how many good Lou Reed songs there were back from the time. So it's fun. It's like a very, it focuses on the early stuff and Nico and whatever. But if, if you're a music doc person, like I am just, it'll, it's catnip. Um, I did have, uh, before I went to New York, my like first, like I'm going to this terrible movie by myself in a long time. And I saw Venom too. And, um, I'm just going to say my tweet on this was, so there's been a lot of talk about, um, Venom two being sort 
sort of this like queer allegory and they you know venom is comes out at a rave as being queer and i basically uh tweeted something to the effect of i'm gonna just jump in my time machine right now and say in the future venom is venom 2 is not actually good because there's listicles of like and we don't want you no we don't yeah (laughs) this is not a good movie don't pretend wow. that don't it's... Don't make him queer. We no. don't want you. Yeah, it was... Tom Hardy is still delightful in this role, but, man, these movies are terrible. Woody Harrelson... Ooh, some wigs, man. Wig, <laughs> wig cop! cop. <laughs> <laughs> woo, woo, woo. This movie had wig and accent cop, like, going all over oh, the place. Man. So, I mean, it was... But it wasn't quite bad enough to be entertaining, so Venom 2, And speaking of accent cops and packs that we made (laughs) that we'd never watch this movie, go ahead to your next thing. So, I saw two movies on the plane. Doesn't matter. We made a pack. I get stressed out. Pinky squares, Um, squares. Disney Plus is now airing Cruella, and I saw it on a plane, uh, starring Emma Stone. This is the prequel to 101 Dalmatians, whatever. It's the origin story of a puppy murderer. so ready to be miserable and hate it. I was just like, I'm going to hate watch this. I loved it. This movie is delightful, and everybody has to watch it. I was so surprised. Emma Thompson is so good. Um, She's always good. Yeah, there's just like this really smart... Kind of like it almost reminds me of like um, sort of a Tim Burton y kind of Oliver kind of story. Um, it's really well done. Yep. It's the music is fantastic. It's very funny. It moves along. It's sort of never making another pinky square with you ever again. I know. Again. I was surprised how much I liked it. Um, yeah. I don't know what to say about that. I also, wait, wait. Can you, for, for those of us that are new, what, what, what did the pinky swear involve? We swore we would never see this movie. Really? Yes. I mean, in the theater. This was a pink. No, 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 no. That was not a caveat. <laughs> I no, never no, no, said no, no. anything about planes. You cannot back out on your promises. <laughs> you betrayed a pinky, a best friend pinky swear. But sometimes. I know. You betrayed a best friend pinky swear. Sometimes you got to do that. And no. I can tell you how good it is. No. You don't um, ever have to do that. You betrayed a best friend so pinky swear. So on the way back, I watched another round, the Thomas Vinterberg, I think is his name, Danish uh, Mads Mikkelsen with my baby Bond. speaking of Bond um, and this is a movie about it sort of got a fair amount of buzz last year mm-hmm. about these sad sack Danish like f- husbands and fathers who decide that they should they're like sort of trying to like live their lives but they decide to start microdosing alcohol and so they're kind of drunk all the time and then they all sort of push the boundaries of it and their lives all fall apart culminating in a very, very strange end scene that a lot of people talked about where Mads Mikkelsen does this, like, jazz dance. Like, I which, love Mads. And apparently he has some dancing training. And he's fantastic. And the movie was sort of interesting, and I liked watching him dance, but I really do not understand what the point of this movie was. Wait a minute, did that movie come out at the same time as one where Mads Mikkelsen plays a, a person accused of being a child molester? It's a little later. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm realizing that I had melded these two movies in uh, in my mind together. Yeah. He's really good. I, I mean, he's a great actor. And in fact, all the acting in this so is, is really good. Yeah, he's so good. I'm just not sure what it was saying. It seemed to sort of be like, hey, the rest of the world's too uptight about drinking, but also, hey, maybe... Maybe yeah. don't drink so much. Yeah, maybe this country is full <laughs> of crazy alcoholics. Um, finally, I got some music. Um, I have been... For as many people that love Succession, and I feel alone in not liking it, I feel equally alone in not shutting up about Remy Wolf and having people look at me like I'm crazy. So I think I'm just the crazy one. Well, no, Um, I mean, I I get at least one text a day from you with Remy Wolf lyrics. Uh, This, she is 25. She is Sicilian, um, uh, Russian, and Persian. Like, what a combo right there. She was an Olympic junior skier. Um, she appeared on American Idol, like in the auditions, and I think didn't make it. And she is just, she lives in LA now, but she's from Palo Alto. She's local. And she's, these kids, I'm just continually impressed by how they just turn everything into like a blender of pop culture. They're just like omnivores. Um, and I love that so much. So her new album is called Juno. Um, it is just a crazy mix of things. Uh, I, she cites influences from like the Red Hot Chili Peppers to like uh, Amy Winehouse to um, Santana to she's just like Prince. She's all over the place and puts it into this great stew of things. This song is called uh, Grumpy Old Man, which I feel seen. And let's listen to a little bit of it right now. 
Okay, that is Remy Wolf. Um, I just am floored by her, and I can't wait to see what she it's does. A, I felt a little delight in there, too. There's delight. There's, like, everything. I mean, she's so, like, weirdly, like, not of the moment. Yeah. Yeah, she's a true original, and I'm super excited about her. Um, Dave, thank you so much for finally coming on the podcast. It was so fun. You're welcome anytime. We don't have to talk about Bob. <laughs> it was great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, and uh, if you want to yell at us about anything, if you want to just be like, wow, Justin, your husband's rad, um, you can. T- <laughs> He's also cute and he looks like a Raul Esparza. I'm just you saying. can come to Facebook at the next podcast. You can email us, motionnicks at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Justin Hartung on Twitter. We are at the next podcast on Twitter. I'm at Fanny V. Darling. Anything you want to pitch, Dave? Dave's also an amazing photographer. What's the name of your website? It's just uh, DaveBeeman.com. That, well, the, it's plain spoken. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. I'll see you next. Wait, yeah, no. you got to come back. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to <laughs> trap you.